so yeah, so Bert started this series last week, um, We Are His Church, and it's um, kind of, we've, we've been looking at our, our theme for the year, Kingdom Vision, and, and we've looked at what God's vision for his kingdom is. Um, and so this series is really exploring what should his church look like? How should, how should his church uh, respond? What, how, do we, how do we take part in that, uh, in that kingdom vision? Last week, Burke talked about unity, if you were here. Um, and something that he talked about um, in the evening service was uh, this um, kind of um, bicultural identity that, uh, that British-born Chinese people have. Uh, so this kind of being uh, growing up uh, maybe in your house uh, with, a, with a Chinese culture, but going to school uh, with a British culture, and, and your friends have a British culture, and, and the tensions that 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 brings uh, and the the kind of the need for for this church to exist for for those people um, and actually that's what my dissertation was uh, was on so I was looking at um, third generation British born Chinese and how does their kind of how do they fit in culturally do does the church need to do something different to to meet their needs does um, do they need a church like this or can they go to to any church um, and wrapped up in that is this these kind of questions of well, how can we kind of uh, accommodate? Uh, how can we how can we meet their needs? What are the specific needs of of a British-born Chinese person? For some of you, you will know those needs firsthand. Uh, for me, I'm thinking about my wife and my kids. Like, how how is life in the UK different for them uh, compared to life uh, for me as as a non-bicultural person? Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Those those things are really important to do. Those um, those questions are really important to ask because. Um, if we have a church that's not not uh, meeting those needs, then we're, we're gonna. Who else is gonna meet them? Um, but actually, what I want us to think about um, today is something that an idea that I brought out in my dissertation, which was um, actually there's another type of bicultural identity. There's there's this sense that actually we are Christians and we are living this life uh, that is completely different to uh, life. Uh, outside of the church, a secular life. And we're living in the UK, so that would be Western or British culture. But um, it's the same wherever you are in the world. Uh, so the question that I want us to kind of think about as we, as we think about living is actually, can we be bicultural? Can we be um, living a Christian life with secular society like added on, secular worldviews added on? Um, or actually, do we have to be kind of countercultural? Do we have to be uh, completely different to to what uh, to what society kind of kind of tells us. Um, so I really struggled with this um, when I started my first job because it just felt like I could look forward and I could see my whole uh, my whole working life just in this one room in this uh, in this office where I worked as a as an electronics engineer um, and I really loved that job. I got to play guitar every day. It was it was super fun. Um, I got to my, my my claim to fame is uh, is I built an amp for the Killers, the band. Um, but while I was doing it, I cut myself, so my blood is inside one of the amps of these, uh, which I'm like, that's super cool. So if I ever meet uh, any of the band, I'm gonna be like, hey, open that amp, you'll find my blood inside. It. Really <laughs> creepy, creepy fan. Um, but so I loved that job. Um, but I could just see my whole life, uh, kind of in this room, in in uh, in kind of my boss and his boss, just like sitting next to me. Um, and I really struggled when I started work with this question of, like, is this what the whole of life is about? Like, I'm spending the most of my week there. I'm spending most of my energy there. Um, 
is that what, do I want to be uh, an electronics engineer? Is that what I want for my whole life to, to add up to? Um, I, did, I did some calculations, and actually the time we spend in work on average um, is 10 years total time that we spend uh, at our workplaces. Uh, that's a lot of our, that's a big portion of our life, right? Um, and you know, it's, th that's it's how we talk to each other. I was at a meeting the other day, and the questions that we were asking each other were all surrounding our work. What do you do? What does that involve? Uh, and, and that's how we make small talk, because what we want to know really is, how can I, how can I categorize you? How can I define you? How can I put you into some kind of system in my head so I understand who you are. Um, and the questions that we're asking there are questions that relate to what you do for work. Um, so that was one thing that I struggled with. Maybe um, work isn't something um, that, that you kind of think of when we're thinking about this, this lifestyle. So um, the second thing that, that came to mind was, was money. Um, some people are working for for their job. Some people like, like I, I love going to work because I got to play guitar every day and that was, that was the cool thing about it. I didn't really care how much um, money I was earning at the time. I was just like, yeah, this is a cool job. I get to do this. Um, but actually some people work because they need money. Um, so there's this idea of a, a universal income that um, you might have heard about. It's an experiment that different countries are doing, um, have been doing over the past few years. And basically they're saying, what happens if we give all our citizens a salary. Let's give them a thousand pound a month, and let's they do whatever they want with it. Um, they don't have to be in work. Uh, let's see what happens. Um, and it has some merits, but some some of the opponents to this idea uh, don't like it because they think, well, isn't that going to stop the people doing the jobs that nobody else wants to do? Because if they're earning enough money without actually doing anything, why are they going to go and do this other job? And there's studies into whether it's effective or not. Um, although I would suggest that. If it was really effective, we'd all be doing it. But um, that's, that's kind of not the point. The, the point is, actually, some people are only working because uh, it's about money. So they don't, they don't really care that they're spending all their time there because, actually, they need money. Um, and, you know, the older I've got, actually, the less important the work has been to me, actually... I found that the more important the money has got, as I've taken on more financial responsibilities, I'm, I'm thinking about it more. Uh, we had a, a discussion in our life group uh, recently about money, and we were, we were asking these questions, like, what, what does God want us to do with our money? Should, is it okay? Should we be saving our money? Should we be just giving all our money away? Like, should, is it okay to have a pension? Should we be investing? Is that, are, those, are those good decisions for us to make? Um, or, or should we not care at all about it? Should we, should we kind of think about that verse where Jesus says it's, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than uh, a rich man to earn to heaven? Should we just be like chucking it all away? I don't know. Um, we didn't really have an answer in our, in our uh, discussion, but, um, but that was another thing that kind of stuck out as like we really fixate uh, a lot on that. But maybe, maybe you don't. Maybe you focus on something like status instead. Um, maybe it's not actually the money, but it's maybe what you can do with the money. Um, maybe it's uh, maybe it's how many how many qualifications you've got, how many degrees you've got, how many letters you've got after your name that are important. Maybe it's uh, what what kind of clothes or shoes or gadgets you have. Um, maybe it's how many likes you have on social media. These are all um, things that that we kind of focus on uh, when we're looking for um, meaning. And so, actually, all of these things that, that, that I've mentioned, 
uh, they're all really self-serving, right? They're all, um, they're all parts of our identity. They're all parts of what we do with our lives, why we do our, 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 why we do our jobs. Um, but they're all self-serving. They're all about um, how we can do something for ourselves, um, which is fully part of this Western lifestyle. The Western lifestyle is all about how can you do the most for yourself. I was listening to the, to the radio the other day. They were talking about um, the election, uh, and they were introducing a, a, a piece about um, immigration. And the, the host, he wasn't uh, trying to be political, I don't think, with his introduction, but he said most people in the UK want immigration to go down. And then he went on to say, but actually, uh, at the same time, we know that the NHS won't survive without, uh, without foreign doctors and nurses coming. We don't have enough uh, in the pipeline in the UK. So he was talking about this tension between, well, we want doctors and nurses to come in, but we don't want other people to come in. Um, and it really kind of made me think about what do, you, why, why are, why are the, apparently the, the majority of the population uh, against immigration? There's a lot, obviously, there's, this is a complicated political issue, but to reduce it to this, this simple kind of soundbite um, just made me think, actually, is that because we are just thinking about ourselves? Is that because we're just thinking, well, how can we make sure that Britain is the best, even though uh, countries around us might be suffering? Is it because we don't want to let refugees in because they're just going to consume our resources but uh, not contribute to our society because we don't let them, because we don't let them work? Or is it, is it because we don't want someone to come and, uh, and, and move in next door to us and speak a foreign language? I don't know. But um, it just, to me, uh, the more I thought about it, the more I thought, is this just a really kind of self-centered thing, nationalistic thing um, of we don't want these people, we don't want to let these people into our country because they're somehow different to us. Um, but as I said, this is, this is part of the Western lifestyle, right? Nobody questions that, that thinking because uh, it, would, it would not make financial sense, it would not make, um, it would not make well, I don't know, cultural sense or um, it might damage our society in some undefinable way. Um, so the question that, uh, that I want to think about is, like, is our Christian lifestyle compatible with that way of thinking, with that, uh, with that kind of self-serving focus? Does the kingdom vision for our church look like, um, actually, our church, BCEC? We're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 4, which is um, where Bert left off uh, at the end of his um, message last time. So Ephesians chapter 4 um, 17 to 19. Now, this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. So um, I was talking uh, to a friend the other day, and we were talking about uh, we were talking about Halloween and how how we can uh, kind of redeem the holiday. How how can we engage with Halloween because we don't want to ignore it completely because it happens. Uh, we both got kids. We were talking about how how um, how it affects our kids when they're in school and they're talking about um, about Halloween. And uh, and he came out with this phrase. But this is a Christian country. Why can't we just say? We don't want this. This is not um, 
what, what the Bible teaches. This is not a good thing to be celebrating. And he, he went on quite a, for quite a long time about like, oh, why do we need to, uh, why do we need to accommodate these other, um, these other celebrations? Why do we need to accommodate Diwali? Why do we need to um, take these into, into consideration? Because this is a Christian country and we should only have Christian festivals. And I had to say to him, actually, no, this is not a Christian country. Yes, we have the Church of England. Yes, um, maybe, I don't even know if this is true, maybe our official religion is Christianity. It's certainly the most popular one. Um, but actually, I don't think Christians are even in a majority in this country anymore. And we can look back at the history of, of, um, of Britain or most countries in Europe, and we can say that our society is built on Christian ideals. But to call it a Christian country is not correct. Um, and actually, the, the more you think about it, the more you look back at, um, maybe just think about the 20th century, how many, how many eras in the 20th century are actually defined by Christian culture? It's probably not been true for a long time, but it's definitely not true uh, in the 21st century. In fact, I think, uh, like in the passage, this is not a Christian country anymore. Uh, this country is a, um, a country, a culture of darkness. Um, we can't look at society anymore and um, expect that what, how the Bible teaches us to live is what society tells us to do. Um, I saw this, uh, I think I've shared this before, I, I saw this most, um, most obviously as a teacher. So um, as science teachers in high school, we had to also teach PSHE. And, um, and so every year I'd have to teach um, sex and relationships uh, to like all the year groups. Um, which are always entertaining uh, lessons. But um, the, like, the question that I would ask uh, in each lesson was, uh, we'd have kind of statements on the board and people would say if they agree with them and stuff. Um, and, and we would ask this question, uh, do you think people should, uh, should... The question probably wasn't even, do you think people should wait until they're married before they enter a, a sexual relationship? It was probably, do you think people should be committed? Um, I'm not even sure if there was a married thing uh, on, in there. Um, but without a doubt, everybody in the class would not agree with that statement. They would say, it doesn't matter. And, uh, and like, even if I pushed them a bit and said, well, what, like, people, people uh, think of this for different reasons. It's different religions that, that people are, are living this. Um, it's, it's, is it not a sensible thing? And, and their attitude was like, well, no, because uh, people should just do what they want. People should just do what feels good. It, it really stands out that actually they, they, there's no sense of, uh, of a Christian uh, kind of undercurrent. We can't expect uh, that what happens in society to be the same as uh, the way that the Bible tells us to live. And this is what's happening in the passage as well. Um, the Gentile, sorry, the Ephesians were Gentiles. So when Paul says uh, in the passage, um, no longer walk as Gentiles do in verse 17, He's talking about their, their, the way that they previously lived, the way that they lived uh, without, without God in their, in their culture. This Gentile culture, it says, is one of darkness, and I think that's the same uh, for, for our uh, culture as well. Just have a look at verse 19 um, and think about uh, how much that sounds like our society. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. 
I don't know if you guys have been, uh, I've been trying to, to follow the, the election preparations. Um, so I follow all of the um, parties on social media. Um, and every single post that, that they put up is not about, this is why you should vote for Labour, this is why you should vote for Conservatives. They're all just slamming each other. This is why Jeremy Corbyn is an idiot and can't do maths, or this is why Boris Johnson shouldn't be trusted. Like they're, they're all about attacking each other. Um, but in the middle of those like attacks, there actually like are some quite important um, allegations being uh, kind of thrown around, and it's, it's not confined to one party; it's it's uh, across the board, really. Uh, and I don't know. I I would have expected most of these allegations to result in some kind of action from the parties. You would expect um, people to be to be resigning or standing down or. Um, or apologizing, but that's not what we're seeing. People are not apologizing for their, uh, for their uh, whatever, false um, fake news or their previous actions or their previous comments. They're actually kind of just uh, like renewing their, uh, their energy into those. Um, and I think the fact that we as a society aren't calling them out, aren't, aren't, uh, don't seem to have a problem with this, uh, kind of points to this verse 19, this callousness, this, this um, kind of just given, given up to, this, to practice every kind of impurity. Nobody seems to, um, to be bothered by it. So Paul says that that's not how the Ephesians are called to live. They're called to live differently. But that is not the way that you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When I, uh, when I talk about my faith, I would do this a lot with my students in the classroom. Um, they would, teenagers like to ask lots of questions, uh, especially if it's going to uh, distract you from the work that you're trying to get them to do. Um, so instead of instead of writing down uh, chemical equations for photosynthesis or something, they would ask me about my faith because they knew that I'd talk about it for 20 minutes, um, which is a good good diversion tactic. But um, and I genuinely enjoyed those those conversations. I genuinely enjoyed being challenged. Um, and I feel like in those conversations there would be a common point where uh, where you could tell that they stop following what you're saying. They stop um, almost comprehending what you're trying to say. Um, it didn't matter if they were atheists or, or, um, or Muslims or, or from any other religion. Um, it was when I brought up the idea of sin. So they're okay. They can understand the concept of uh, maybe, maybe the, uh, God created the world. We can't, know that, we can't know what happened at the Big Bang. Um, like they would be on board with that. Um, but as soon as you bring up the, the, the concept of sin, uh, they would just kind of switch. They would, they would not like that idea. They would... They would almost be offended uh, by the fact that I would say, well, everyone sins. We're all, we all do bad things. And they'd be like, well, I don't. And I'm like, yes, yes, you definitely do. I had to call your parents yesterday for, like, <laughs> whatever, throwing glue at the, the, that other student or, or whatever it is. You definitely do bad things. Uh, and they would say, well, no, that's not bad. That's not, everybody does that kind of stuff. It's not bad. I haven't killed anyone. I don't steal. Um, they, they would not have this understanding 
And Paul talks about it here. Paul says in verse 22, put off your old self. This old self, this is the self um, that is sinful. This is the, the way of living that was not the way that God wants us to live. Um, so he talks about that sin, but actually he's, he's talking about more than that. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. I thought this was really interesting because um, actually it's, it's not just about sin. It's about everything else that's associated with that. It's, it's what a sinful society creates and leads to. Um, so I really, want our, uh, I really want my kids to like the music that I like, that I grew up with. Um, and so any opportunity, any, uh, if they say a phrase that, that sounds like a lyric or, um, or mention something, um, I'll, I'll look for an opportunity and I'll, and I'll be like, Alexa, play whatever it is. Um, and Sophie will be like, can we turn this off and put Paw Patrol on? And I'm like, no, we have to listen to this and then, and then we can put Paw Patrol on. What do you think of this? Um, so, uh, so this week we were talking about California. I don't know why we were talking about California. But I was like, ha, Hotel California, that is one of my top songs uh, to, uh, to play. Um, and so I put Hotel California on, and it played for like 30 seconds. Um, and I started listening to the lyrics and thinking about what was coming up, and I was like, ooh, these are not good lyrics for a four-year-old to, uh, to listen to, to, to be taking in. Um, and so, so I stopped it, and um, it made me think, because like... I didn't listen to that song and think, oh, this is a really sinful song. It's making me want to not be a Christian anymore. But um, I don't want my kids to listen to it because I don't want them to pick up those messages. And even if I am fully aware of, uh, of what those messages are, actually, maybe, maybe we should be more careful about that kind of thing, about what we, what we consume. Because I don't think it affects me, but actually it probably all adds up, right? It probably all leads to something. I think this is what Paul's saying when he says, your former manner of life is corrupt through deceitful desires. He's saying that, actually, if we let, if we, if we let sin come into our lives in any way, into our lifestyles in any way, if we, if we are accepting of those lifestyles, if we, are, um, if we are willing to kind of tolerate them within everything else in society, then actually it's going to corrupt everything. Uh, it's not enough to just stop sinning. We need to be putting off that old self. And Paul knows this, right? Because he goes on in 23, he says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. He's, he's telling them that actually their minds need to change. That, that, that they, they, if, you, if you're stuck in that way of thinking, then your mind is going to go down a certain way of thinking. It was, the same, it was the reason why my students would not understand when I would say, well, we all sin, because then they haven't been brought up like that. They've been brought up thinking, oh, we're all good people. And the only way they're going to change that is, is through learning, I guess, in life, that actually that's not the case. And so um, the question that I have is, like, can we hold that tension? Can we hold that tension of listening to whatever classic rock on the way to church and then coming in and singing these songs? Um, and the, the, the subjects that we're singing about are entirely different. Or can we, can we watch Game of Thrones on a Saturday night? I know it's not on anymore, um, but it's, it's the, the most obvious uh, one. Um, or can we watch Love Island or whatever else is on TV um, on a Saturday night and then go to sleep and then come to church on Sunday morning um, and, and come and, 
and not have our thinking affected by, um, by the stuff that we can see. I've been rereading this, this book, Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Um, and this book's about, um, it's a fictional conversation between an uncle, demon, and his, uh, and his nephew. And his nephew's just started work as, um, as a demon who has to try and tempt these Christians away from, uh, from Christ and, and try and tempt them down into hell. Um, and in this one chapter, so it's advice that this uncle's giving. Uh, in this one chapter, um, the victim has, uh, has made some new friends. And his new friends are... Uh, are people who like to gossip, people who like to get together and badmouth people um, and act like they're superior. They like to um, think that they're better than everyone else. Uh, and the, the uncle's saying, well, this is great. This is great for, for um, this guy's salvation because he's going he's gonna to get sidetracked. He's going to get drawn away from the gospel. But he says, actually, it's not going to last forever. So um, here's some advice. Here is, here's some tips that you can um, apply to... Uh, to your victim to make sure that, uh, that this is successful. So he says, firstly, try and get them to uh, ignore the fact that they know that this behavior is bad when they're with them because, uh, it's because they're having fun. So get them to, to kind of come and, and just push that thought into the back of their mind. Oh, it doesn't matter that this is, um, this is wrong because actually I'm having lots of fun. So they only think about how bad it is when they're not doing it. And he says, if that doesn't work... Um, well, then try and, try and get the guy to, to see himself as superior to these uh, new friends. Get, get him to think, oh, well, it doesn't matter. I can come and do this uh, because I'm a Christian, because I can go and repent of this. And at the same time, get him to think while well, he's in church, oh, I'm so much better than these other people in church because they're not, they're not coming together and having these pseudo-intellectual conversations um, where we talk about how, how rubbish that person is. Um, or, or whatever. Um, and if that doesn't work, well then, uh, persuade the victim that actually just being around them is what God wants. God wants him to, to go and, uh, and just be around them. Not tell them about the gospel, but just be near them. Because um, having a Christian near them is, is going to be great for them, um, is what the demon is saying. Um, and I read that chapter, and uh, it made me quite uncomfortable, because actually, um, I can see all of those like patterns of behavior in my life in different ways. I can see times when I might ignore um, the sinful uh, behavior or the sinful attitude um, because I'm having too much fun or because, um, because whatever it is that I'm interested in is, is too enjoyable, has other benefits, and I just kind of play down the, uh, the, the bad side of things. I can see um, when I actually kind of try and rise above it and say, oh, yeah, well, I'm doing this ironically or I'm doing this um, like as a Christian, uh, so that I can just see what's going on and then, uh, and then I'm kind of enjoying myself, but, but like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll repent later. And I can also see uh, myself also just saying, oh, well, if I go and do this thing, well, then I'm a Christian doing it. And so people will automatically become Christians because I'm near them. Not trying to be intentional about my evangelism, but just, um, just saying, well, oh, yeah, if I'm near them, then uh, that's good enough. That's definitely what God wants me to do. And if I enjoy myself uh, while I'm doing this sinful thing, well, then that's just, just an extra. I think, I think it's, it challenged me to, to really question how much, um, how much of my life is like this parallel lifestyle, this, this duality between uh, this bicultural uh, nature between being a Christian and, uh, and being Western. 
when we look at this passage, um, the language that Paul uses is really interesting. He says in verse 20, you learned Christ. And then he says later on, you were taught in him. And then his command to them is to put on the new self. This is active language. This is language um, that requires the, the listeners to actually do something. It's a conscious decision. We, uh, we sing that song, right? Lord, I need you. Um, and, and we sing every hour, I need you. Uh, and actually in, in Screwtape Letters, uh, there's another chapter where the, the victim realizes um, that he needs God every hour. And the, the demons are talking about how, uh, how bad this is for their cause because um, realizing that they are consciously, fa- con- yeah, constantly, that's the word, uh, failing, uh, rather than kind of just thinking, oh, well, I'm saved. I, I repented uh, last week, so like God's got me, it's fine. Um, actually realizing that, that we fail all the time uh, is much worse for these demons um, in the story. Uh, but we sing, every hour I need you. Do we do that in our actual lives? Are we, are we turning away from the world every hour? Or are we just kind of getting swept along with the, with the flow? Are we waking up every day and putting on our new selves? Or are we just kind of just doing what we used to do? I think, for me at least, um, too much of my, of my Christian life has been um, just passive, just, uh, just, just going along with it, just, uh, just turning up to church, just reading the Bible without really being intentional, without thinking, oh, I need to put on my new self. I need to, I need to really um, make a decision here. Uh, to, to live the way that God wants us to live. Um, the passage continues. Paul gives um, an example of what this looks like. So, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of Christ as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This new life that, that Paul's talking about is full of transformations. It's a, it's a transformation of, of falsehood, of lies to truth. It's a transformation of, uh, of resentment, uh, an anger to, to actually resolution and forgiveness. It's a transformation of, of uh, taking, of stealing, uh, to giving uh, and sharing. Uh, and it's a transformation of criticism uh, to praise. And then he finishes the passage right with this uh, list, this bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, uh, transforming to kindness, tenderness, and forgiveness. If the, uh, if the old life is one where the most important thing is the self, where it's about self-serving, um, where it's about getting what you want above everything else. The new life is about putting others above yourself. Um, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, uh, you do you. 
which essentially just means uh, I don't necessarily agree with the way that you are living or the way that you're thinking, um, but I'm not going to step into your life um, and tell you that that's wrong uh, and you don't, you don't step into my life. But Paul's actually challenging that. Paul's saying in verse 25, um, having put away any falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. He's actually saying it's not okay to, to look at our brothers and sisters and see them uh, living a life that's not the way that he wants uh, and just let them, let them go on with that. It doesn't mean that, that we should be judgmental. But actually, we should be speaking the truth. We should be, we should be coming to each other and saying, look, I don't think this is how God wants you to live. Um, but, but I certainly don't do that um, a lot of the time because I don't want to offend people. I don't want to, I don't want to mess up our relationship by, uh, by, by saying something they disagree with. Uh, so, we, so we say instead, well, let's agree to disagree. Um, but actually, we're talking about like salvation. Later on, if you read the rest of chapter 5, Paul says that this, this kind of unfruitfulness, this, this sinful behavior actually um, prevents you from entering the kingdom of God. So why wouldn't we want to be uh, challenging the people around us, our church, our brothers and sisters, um, if there's something that needs to be challenged. And again, we've got to be careful that we're not judgmental, but, but, but we should be doing it, right? We should, be, we should care for them enough that actually we want to not let them go down that path. It shouldn't be about, oh, well, they'll be offended if I say that. It should be, well, if I don't say that, then are they going to get further away from God? There's this idea that, um, that good friends will tell you who've got food in your teeth. Um, a bad friend is someone that has a conversation with you and just lets you walk off and you've got like spinach hanging out your mouth. That's, that's not a good friend. Uh, but we've, oh, well, I've certainly done that um, because it's too awkward. You don't want to say to someone you've got in the middle of a conversation, oh, sorry, you've got food hanging out your mouth. Um, but actually, a good friend will do that, right? A good friend doesn't care that it's awkward because they want you to not look like an idiot. Um, and that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't be afraid of the awkwardness. We should be um, truthful with each other. Uh, this next, this next point, um, resentment uh, into resolution. Uh, you might have missed that point in the uh, ESV because the ESV has a, a strange translation here. But in the NIV, it says, um, "In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry." He's not saying don't be angry, right? Like we've 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 heard that that story. Jesus was angry uh, when with the sellers in the temple. There's righteous anger. There's, there's reasons that we get angry. But in your anger, do not sin. Don't let it kind of just fester inside you and, and stew and, and get worse and worse. This, uh, this verse actually was really important to, to me and my wife in, in the, at the start of our marriage. I don't, I don't remember uh, who gave us this advice, but do not let the sun go down while you're so angry. really just resonated with me before... Um, before we got married, so I kind of made it my um, my plan that if we ever had a disagreement, we would make sure that that's true, that we wouldn't go to sleep angry with each other. Um, and Maddie did not like the fact that I was uh, that I really wanted to do this. Like, if it was like midnight, and she'd be like, "I'm really tired. I just want to just be annoyed at you because you didn't do the washing up or whatever it is." Um, and, and I was always like, "Well, no, we have to like resolve it. We have to not be angry." Um, when we go to sleep, 
Um, and so, so we would stay up really late sometimes. Like we'd stay up to like three in the morning, talking about what something really stupid and and insignificant. But um, to me, it was really important because I didn't want to let things um, turn bad. I didn't want things to turn into uh, resentment. And uh, there was one. T- I think there's one time that I can remember where. Uh, we did go to sleep angry with each other. And it was just, the, like, the next day was just the worst. It was like, like, I got up, left the house without talking, um, like, slammed the door, probably deliberately to wake her up. Um, and then just, like, work was just horrible. Like, it was just, it was just the worst. Um, and I came back to that idea that, actually, it's important to get a resolution. Uh, and that does really annoy my wife a lot of the time when I'm trying to get to a resolution. I'm not trying to win the argument. I'm just trying to, I'm like, we can't just leave it unresolved because when are we going to resolve it? We're just going to passive-aggressively um, hold it over each other until um, some, some, the next fight probably and then just bring out, oh, yeah, but you did this. You said this three months ago. Um, actually, it's more important that we have this resolution that instead of holding on to our pride, that we actually come to a point where we can say, Look, we've hurt each other. Can we, can we uh, resolve it? This next one, taking to giving. Um, the thief, shall, uh, should, Paul says, should, should go and have a job. But more than that, more than just have a job, uh, have a job so that he can give stuff away when he needs to. So stealing is taking something that you don't deserve. And, uh, and giving away stuff is... Uh, stuff that he's rightfully earned. It's, it's stuff that actually he does deserve to hold on to, but he's giving it away. It's, it's this transformation from being self-centered to being other people-centered. And then this, this last one, criticism to, to praise. I, I was thinking about corrupting talk and criticism. Um, and actually, most of the time that we do that, most of the time we enter into that, it's because we are proud. We're, we, we have... Um, some kind of pride around uh, the person that, or yeah, the situation that we're that we're criticizing. We'll speak bad about people because they've made us feel bad, because they've um, they've said something about us, or they they've given us feedback on our jobs that we don't like, and so we'll go and gossip about them behind their backs, or um, or perhaps we just want to feel. Um, superior to, to these people. So maybe they haven't hurt us personally, but we still want to make ourselves feel better. If I was in that place, I wouldn't have behaved like that. But actually, Paul's saying, no, your talk should be about building people up, about benefiting others, not about making other people look bad. It's that change from being self-centered to being um, other people-centered. And why do we get... Why, why is Paul saying this? Why is he giving us this charge the answer was at the end of the passage uh, in verse in verse 32 and then running on into um into uh, chapter five um be kind to one another tender-hearted forgiving one another as god in christ forgave you therefore be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god as christ forgave us and as Christ loved us, that's why we should be uh, doing this. That's why we should be living that life. Uh, and you can read uh, the whole of the rest of Ephesians chapter 5. Half of Ephesians chapter 6 is all just more examples of what this new life should look like. It's, it's examples of what we shouldn't be engaging in. 
uh, and examples of how uh, we should be as a church, how we should be behaving as individuals with each other, how husbands and wives should uh, should should uh, should be looking out for each other, uh, how slaves and masters should be looking out for each other. Um, and the message is the same. Paul comes back to it multiple times. The message is walk in the light. Don't walk in this darkness. So to come back to the original question, if we're living as citizens of God's kingdom, if we're, if we're trying to live um, in the way that, that Christ wants us to live, um, we, we can't separate ourselves. We can't just say, well, well, let's just make a little Christian ghetto and let's just let's all live uh, in the same area and we won't engage with people outside because that doesn't that doesn't work. That's not what we've been asked to do. Right? We've been asked to go and make disciples. We have to engage with our culture around us. So actually, it's, it's coming at it from a different perspective. We need to be working jobs. We need to money is a necessary thing in our lives. Um, we can't ignore them completely, but actually if we focus on what Christ has given us as, as the model, if we focus on this self-sacrifice, um, then that's going to lead us into this new life, not this old life. Um, we, and because we need to stand out, right? Like we can't just go to our jobs and just say, like in Screw Tape Letters, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, I'm a Christian and I'm there, so that's enough. That isn't enough. We actually have to live a life that is different, that stands out, that that shows people, I have something that, that you don't have, but if you ask me about it, I can tell you about it, and you can have it too. And this is all within the context of Paul's language, which was really active. He said, what you learned about Christ. Uh, put on a new life. It's not a, a just, let's say a prayer today, and that's it. It's a continuous process. It's something that we need to do all the time, uh, in order to stop ourselves slipping uh, into that darkness. Uh, so I want to end just with this, with this question um, for us to ask ourselves. Are we walking in the light or are we walking in the darkness? Is it, is it a good time now for us to, to stop and actually consider uh, what we're doing in our lives? Maybe we're not um, actively sinning. Maybe we're, not, um, maybe we're spending lots of, lots of time uh, with God and that's great. But actually, uh, are we doing enough to walk in the light? Or are we still, do we still have those patches of darkness where, um, where we still allow ourselves to be swayed by what the world tells us and not, not what the, the gospel tells us? Are we, are we growing in the gospel? Are we, are we learning uh, what it means to follow him? Are we getting up every day um, and putting on our, our new selves? Or are we just kind of just doing it when we remember and just kind of stumbling through um, and just getting to a point where we realize, oh, actually, you know what? I've not spent time with God for a while, so let me just come back to him. Actually, it needs to be every day. Uh, So we're going to come to a time of worship and we're going to sing that song, uh, Lord, I Need You. But uh, just before I do that, let's, uh, let's pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, God, thank you that, that you have that you are the, the ultimate uh, example that you have given us um, this whole reason for being that, that you have uh, died for us because you loved us God uh, and, and so God we just ask that 
that through your spirit that you would bring about that transformation in our lives, that you would um, that you would help us live that new life, put on that new life every day, that that we can that you would show those those areas in our life that are um, corrupted by darkness, uh, that you would point out those things that we don't even realize are are, uh, are damaging our our understanding of you, our relationship uh, with you, and Lord, that you would just um, that you would shine through us in the places that we are, that you, that we would all be um, just beacons of light um, in our workplaces, in our schools, with our friends, wherever. Um, Lord, that we can that we can really show you the gospel through our actions, that we can stop focusing on ourselves, uh, and that we can we can focus on on loving others uh, because you have given us that example. So Lord, we just come and we and we say, Lord, that we need you. Every hour we need you, God. Amen.